Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello and welcome to hell. You're listening to Wannabe (laughs) Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer podcast, the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild and a proud member of the Herd at Sports Network. I'm Ben, and I'm joined by my good friend and guide to the underworld, Virgil. (laughs) Well, Virgil is my middle name, but uh, most people know me here as Drew. My sincerest apologies for all of your souls. Uh, For those of you who are new around here, each episode, Ben and I will sample craft beer, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or X at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or conveniently stream each episode at wannabewalkons.com and click on the podcast. On this week's episode, Drew and I will sample beer from Omaha, Nebraska's Infusion Brewing Company, share our thoughts on Nebraska's loss to Minnesota, and look ahead to Colorado. I'm Ben. And I'm covered in locusts, and this is Wannabe Walk-On. Have you ever read the Divine Comedy like all the way through? Have you? No, no, no I have not. No, no. Um, I, I debated between you know calling you Virgil and calling you Dante Alighieri, and I was just like, how far off the rails do we do we <laughs> want to take this? Uh, I remember. I think we had to read the part of it at least in a Brit Lit course that I took in college. Yeah, I think we read like the first part of it or something like that, and. I just remember being super dry. Yes, yeah. I've tried to read it. Yeah. I, I couldn't do it because you expect it to be like this like... Well, the first part is just like all about the entrance of the cave. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't even get to the good stuff until... Yeah. Deep. It's almost like it's almost like when you only have a single game sample size and you, <laughs> you, you know, you, you're just at the entrance of the cave, right? <laughs> we haven't even made it all the we way through. We haven't made it into <laughs> the deepest pits of hell yet. <laughs> Oh, you know what? When I say when I say welcome to hell, I don't mean I don't mean Matt Rule's coaching staff. I don't mean this team. I just mean like, gosh, we're already turning our backs on one another. And like the the ongoing joke on social media is always the biggest rivalry for Husker fans is Husker fans. Yeah. It's like we just can't like, <laughs> let, it, let it play out. And sure, it wasn't fun, you know, to watch the Colorado TCU game and see 
Colorado just turn on in a way that we had hoped had happened for this Husker team many, many moons ago with an NFL style quarterback and like a Tanner Lee. Even I'm not talking about the Scott Frost regime. I'm talking about when we thought we had a a guy at quarterback who could spin the ball. Mm -hmm. Colorado does it flipping their roster, that sort of thing. You know, Nebraska takes a loss, all this sort of stuff. And so now it's like, we're all in a tailspin and it's like, man, this is the first game of the season. <laughs> like this is this is week one. Yeah, this guy is uh and, this guy is falling. And and there's been some valid points too. I don't know if you if you saw uh, anyone kind of counter with this of like there has been fans have been holding up their end of the bargain, right? Uh-huh. We continue to come to games. We continue to sell out Memorial Stadium. Sell out you can put in quotes if you have to or whatever. Not that either of us are. I mean, all the tickets are sold. That's yeah. a sellout. Yeah. Fans are still traveling to games. We went to Ireland. For goodness sakes, we didn't. I mean, I, <laughs> we watched. I'm glad we didn't. Yeah. But I mean, so I do understand the frustration of like, we want to see this thing turn around. We have given everything to this program. And it's like, you know, the times are a changing and Nebraska's got to find their niche and that sort of thing. Um, do you feel, do you feel part of the tailspin or are you kind of, where, where are you at? Uh, um, I am, I'm not in, no, I'm not in a tailspin. I don't feel like it's, it's all like all hope is lost. Not yet. Um, during the games. Yeah. Like when I'm very emotionally invested. Yeah. Um, you know, that outpouring of frustration is definitely there, but I also contain it to like a very small circle. I'm not, I'm not, I don't jump on social media almost ever anyway, but like, especially not to rail on players or, or, or the new coaching staff or anything like that. Um, and definitely not to get into fights with, um, or arguments with other Husker fans about, um, you know, the state of the, the program. Um, I've, I feel it a little bit, like I, I definitely get the frustration. Like I completely understand that. Um, but I'm also, I don't, I'm patient. Like yeah. I, I've, I've bought into this, um, into rule and what he was saying all off season. I'm not going to turn on him after one game. Um, I think you can find some things that happened in game that, maybe contradicted what you would have expected them to, to yep. do mm-hmm. based on what they were saying they wanted to do. And so, um, you know, I, f- I think you can be justified in frustration there for sure. Um, but again, like you said, it's one, it's one game. Right. It's one game. And you can't tie it. The, the thing that kind of drives, drives me nuts the most is, and I don't know if this is tongue-in-cheek or people are being serious, but they're like, you know, under Frost and Rule, we've lost this many close games. It's like, well, but... Under that, uh, but doesn't that's a, that doesn't count. Yeah. Like there's a there's a hard um, stop at the end of the frost frost administration, um, and beginning with rule like rule is zero and one in close games. Right. Um, and just because it was a similar sort of loss doesn't mean you get to lump it in with everything else. Like it, it has to stand alone. And so um, you know, looking forward, my my belief in the off season was that rule would be able to fix these sort of games. Um, and prevent them from happening. But to expect him to be able to do that right out of the gate, I think was maybe unrealistic. Sure. And so, um, you know, if you, if you still buy into rule, which if you don't buy into him after just one game, I don't know, that's kind of crazy. But if you, if you still buy into him, you believe that this season will be all about moving further away from that. We didn't see that last season. Like right, the team kept repeating it over and over again. Yeah. Um, if we're, I don't know, seven, eight games in, and we've seen like four of these games just like this, then I can, then I could start to say like, man, like what, like what's going on? Like what's not clicking here? So, you know, normally we would dive in and, and talk the specifics, but I have a question 
mm-hmm. before we get into talking Minnesota, because obviously we have some beer to talk about first. But right. um, I have I have two questions. Okay. And and I'm going to just put them out there to you for them to kind of uh, marinate. Okay. My first question is, do we overreact like this if Nebraska wins 13 to 10 instead of loses 13 to 10? Just just as a question. Okay. Okay. And then my other question is, you talked about like, let's say we, we lose another close game. You know, we, we let's say we lose three close games um, between now and the end of the season. But the, the things that we're going to talk about where you're like, that was kind of questionable. Let's say that doesn't happen. Let's say it's like the calls that should have been made were called. Just for whatever reason, Nebraska doesn't win. How does that sit? And that one I, I kind of do want an answer to because you just mentioned it. But like, mm-hmm. how, how I mean, it's one of those things where I think maybe what you're talking about is like, like it's a 10 play sequence, specifically like three plays on offense, those back to back to back passes. Yeah. Where we went for Tommy Hill and we went for Kemp and then I think went back to Kemp and Kemp got lit up on the line of scrimmage um, where that was like we could have been more dynamic with the run game and been more power and tried to take more time. Right. Like that felt questionable. And I think 100%. that's, that's one of the areas. And then also the, the goal line, Gabe Irvin, false start interception in the end zone, that whole sequence felt real jumbled and scrambly where it was like, why don't we just take the time out and chill? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You weren't going to win the game there, but you can lose the game in those situations. Correct. Yeah. If, um, the, yeah, the, the fashion in which they lost and being able to call out real like things that were in their control, not just the players' control, but in, in the coaching staff's control, being able to point to those things as like like the, like those decisions were not maybe I don't know I want to say they're not the best because you can make an argument that like the the RPOs that they did yeah. were fine like they and, and uh, rule talked about that about hey we had we had guys open we just didn't execute. Yeah. Um, but but for them to yeah if they if they continue to lose close games in this similar fashion, um, you know if Minnesota had come out and like hey Minnesota is the better team, um, we've we've fought hard we played close, they just held us at arm's length. Yeah. You know and and they, you know held us by three to seven points or whatever in that one score game. Like there's a there's just a different feeling than we um, controlled a big chunk of that game, held the lead late had chances to put it away and failed to do so. And then not only that, but then found ways to give it back to Minnesota yeah. repeatedly like that. If they, if they can't fix those things over the course of a season, not just in one game, but over the course of a season, right. If they can't show improvement there, then, then yes. Then I think that you start to, you can reasonably start to question what's going on and whether or not that these are the right people to fix it. But even like even then, man, like one season's not even enough. Like I, right. would, I won't, I won't even. Right. I'm just saying, like that's when I would start to maybe like be willing to, you know, be like, well, that might be a red flag. Like I'm gonna check in on that next year, sure, type thing. So, um, but like it, losing, yeah, losing close games throughout the season, like that's probably gonna continue to happen. It's just, yeah, how are we losing them? What are we doing to improve? Um, and and are we able to maybe pull one pull one out of the bag here and there? Yeah. So I, I think that's where the the reaction the hellish reaction of what's going on comes from right is Mm -hmm. it's like we were supposed to be done with this and we're not and then also colorado's the fucking worst but they're the fucking best apparently yeah and and so like that compounded it man in a big way that juxtaposition i thought i I was like oh no it was about the worst thing that could happen Uh, in terms of not in terms of like just what could happen and like 
it, it, I don't think it bears any impact on next week's game. It right? doesn't. Like, I don't these think These teams so are what they are. But the perception, um, especially, like, how people view Nebraska as Nebraska fans, like, that completely changed, I think, how we look at this thing because we went from being like, yeah, like, it's a three-year build um, under rule, and that's perfect because we want that culture and we want stuff. Like, we understand there's groundwork that has to be laid to, like, holy shit, Dion just did this fucking crazy thing that nobody else has ever done at this level before. And he, and he basically said, fuck culture. And he, yeah, and he's, he doesn't give a shit about that, right? And, like, and it and it worked, for, at least for, again, but just for one game. And we can get into all that, too. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like yeah. Um, a lot of teasers. Yeah, Real yeah, early right? on, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I, I think that just, that was just fuel on the fire. Um, but, again, it's so, it's too reactionary, man. Yeah. Like, it just is. Yeah. So, I agree, man. I was, I was in hell on Thursday night. Um, but I woke up the next day, and and then I separated my emotion from everything else. Like you just you gotta like move on emotionally, and um and I think again like with rule, I I think he's capable of that, and you saw that like in his press conference, like he was that was not yeah. a beat down that was not a beat down coach. It's a coach that that recognizes um that it was not a good performance, you know, and that, and and knows that they made some critical mistakes, um but his job is to teach these guys how to move on from those things and get better. Yeah. And the first step in doing that is reacting appropriately to the loss. Yeah. And so, and I think, I think he did that. I think some people maybe were rubbed, rubbed the wrong way again with, you know, he was smiling in, in the press conference and stuff like that. But like, that's not a, I don't think that's a bad thing. No. So. No, I don't want my coach to, to lose confidence. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, we lost. That's the game. <laughs> right. Like, that's how it works. <laughs> we weren't expected to win this game. We were expected to be more than a touchdown dog. Mm-hmm. We held the like so much good happened in this game, and we'll talk all about it. We'll we'll save that. Okay, let's 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 talk about the beer that we're drinking. Yeah, and uh, the beer that we have in front of us is man. If this isn't an old standby, if this isn't if this isn't a beer that made Nebraska, mm-hmm. this, this is the beer that made me fall in love with Nebraska beer. Is it? Uh, yeah. Ditto. Yeah. This this is a very special beer, and this this beer, of course, is Infusions Vanilla Bean Blonde. So I got a little tidbit uh, that I took from Vanilla, uh, Vanilla Bean's website, from Infusion's <laughs> website. Um, and I'll just tell you a little backstory on Infusion, uh, and then we'll go from there. So in 1996, Omaha brewery historian and craft beer enthusiast Bill Bobarek opened Nebraska's first craft beer bar, the Crescent Moon Ale House. It would grow to include a German beer hall, a Belgian-themed tasting room, a world-class beer store, and host over 100 beer festivals. The Crescent Moon became the unofficial craft beer capital of Omaha. But Bill wasn't satisfied with introducing craft beer to Nebraska. He wanted to produce it here. In November of 2012, Bill felt it was time to start his own craft brewery. The original home of the iconic Olson Meat Market, built in 1917 and located in the historic neighborhood of Benson, came up for sale. Benson was already cultivating a craft beer scene, and the up-and-coming neighborhood had all the ingredients for a perfect brewery and tap room. Bill purchased the meat market, and through careful renovation, the building recaptured many of the original architectural elements of an early 20th century butcher shop. Those efforts, along with the Olson family's prominence in Benson, have made the Infusion Benson Tap Room a historical city landmark. Hidden behind the walls of a downtown Omaha building were copper uh, brewing kettles and a mush tin that had sat untouched for years. Bill purchased that equipment and moved them into his new home in the historic Benson building. In 2016, Infusion began construction on their brand new production brewery in Southwest Omaha. 
The new facility allowed them to dramatically increase their production of their core range of beers while allowing for research and development of new drinks. In 2018, Infusion began selling their products in western Iowa, and in 2020, they began packaging their beer exclusively in cans. In 2021, they launched a line of hard seltzers. Twice a year, the Southwest facility hosts Infusion's popular Bean Fest, where they release exciting and creative vanilla bean blonde varieties. Infusion continuously rotates through roughly 20 handcrafted beers in their tap rooms. Their flagship beers can usually be found on tap year-round, while seasonal and small batch taps are changed weekly. Uh, we're, we're frequenters, I guess you could say, of uh, the Southwest uh, Brewery. We could be found there playing... Uh, full-size beer pong we could be found there just having beers and and talking about all things life if we were going to go hang out go see a movie we'd go grab a beer there first yeah infusion has a special place in my heart i i'm oh, sure yeah. you absolutely you feel similarly about that yeah um this beer i mean if you haven't had infusions vanilla bean blonde go have what it. do you yeah what do you do it is a it is a beautiful vanilla sweet it is it's it's the craft beer for people who don't even like beer yeah i mean it's just it's all that's right in the world. Yeah, you know I, I agree. Mean? Yeah, I guess it's the one that made me fall in love with uh, with Nebraska craft beer and, and um, provided, I guess, a willingness to go and find out what else was out what else was out there. Yeah, um, and that's I think that was it. I think it was because, it, like you said, like it's it's a beer for people who don't even like beer. Like it's just yeah. it's just that drinkable and that good. Um, and yeah, sweetness, the vanilla, um, you can still, like, you can still find the beer underneath of it right. all if you're looking for sure. Um, yeah, it's just a good one. It's a classic for Nebraska. So I have a, I have a very good story okay. about the, uh, the Benson tap room. So back in 2013, um, when vanilla bean kind of burst onto the scene, I had had it for the first time at Blatt in legacy on, uh, uh, 168th and center in Omaha. And I was like, what is this? beautiful thing and I was like I'm gonna finish this I'm gonna have another one because this is incredible yeah and so we kind of looked into it and my wife and I found that you could book tours obviously of the Benson Brewery and so we thought this is gonna be the perfect Father's Day gift we're going to book a tour because it was like five dollars a person we're gonna invite both both sets of dads moms siblings Uh, my wife has a much bigger family than I do uh, but we invited everyone siblings their spouses what have you we're like we're gonna we're gonna take care of this whole tour so we booked basically a private tour. And at that time, $5, your tour came with a free beer. And then you would get to walk through the Benson building and see the entire operation. Have you done this tour, by the I, way? I have not. You no. haven't? Okay. So the the bartender was like, do you want your beers before or after the tour? And we're like, well, we'll have them after. And he goes, I'm going to ask you that question again. <laughs> do you want your beers before? Then he's like doing the nod. And he goes, or after? And we go, I guess before. He goes, that's a good answer. <laughs> and so... He, bore, he pours, you know, a round of beers and everyone's got a glass and we we are standing there and we're waiting. And he goes, you should probably drink those beers before you go on tour. And we're like, okay, I, okay, what's this guy? What's this guy doing? So we drank our beers and we're walking mm-hmm. through the tour. And the first place that we stopped in was uh, below, like you went uh, to the one floor below the actual tap room to where they had all the, the uh, tanks being held. And... There was a tap on the outside of the of the fridge, and the tour guide goes, "If anyone's got empty glasses, feel free to fill them up." <laughs> and so we all did, yeah. And uh, and then we basically stood in that room, and the dads just kept asking questions, and we were like, "Why do they keep asking questions?" They smart. They're smart dads. 
You know what they were doing? Fathers, yes. Do you know how many beers my dad's had? My dad and and my uh, my father in law had. We would we, it, it, he, they were literally like nudging us in the back, like asking questions and then taking our glass and refilling them and sliding them back into us. And it was vanilla bean on tap, so nobody oh, was fighting nice. it. Yeah, it was fresh, right from the source, coming right off the cooler. That's how they tested the you know the temperature of the beer mm-hmm. was at that tap. And then we went to the next room, which was like the grain room where they were holding on the grain. We just started talking about that. Well, guess who wasn't with the group? <laughs> my dad and my father-in-law were still back there. And uh, the tour guide was like, you two, get with the group. <laughs> for for $5 a person, we probably had four beers for those who were really drinking. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the days where uh, the wives had to drive home. because yeah, Responsibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, because us gentlemen were having a great time. <laughs> but then... My dad being my dad, we went upstairs and he was like, well, we got to keep this party going. Let's open a tab. So we did. And we started pouring, you know, more beers and stuff like that. And then he's like, well, they got anything to eat because I'm hungry now. So (laughs) cheese curds and and summer sausage and stuff like that. And then he came back and his arms were just full of hats and T-shirts. He had like (laughs) bought every piece of merch they had. And to this day, I still have my original infusion ball cap. Yeah, I've seen Um, that one. And it is, it is, it beat to hell, but. Yeah, boy, do I love it! So Infusion just has the the most special place in my heart. That it was, um, it wasn't too long. I'm trying to think. Yeah, we weren't even married yet, my wife and I. So it was just like this really nice bonding of of both sides of the family. Everyone having a great time. Sounds like a bonding between your dad and, and Infusion. Yeah, yeah. that too. <laughs> um, I mean, he still drinks Infusion to this day, but uh, it was it was just a really a really special outing and, and a really great time. And so like Infusion, you know. They, they they do all their varieties and they do the the stuff like the pickle beers that I, I scoff at and they do the flavor adjuncts and stuff like that. But they also brew some really solid baseline beers like their pistachio porter. I love the pistachio. It's just a knockout. Vanilla bean blonde is always great. Some of the varieties that they do do the vanilla bean blonde will just knock your socks off. So mm-hmm. I just I'm just a huge fan of infusion and, and not just the beer they make, but what they do for the Omaha beer community. Um, they continue to keep that in the forefront. So yeah. just grateful to have a, a brewery like Infusion. Um, and it, it just means so much to, to me and my family. Awesome. So yeah, I thought I'd share that along with that. And if you ever get a chance, you know, take a tour, join a beer pong league, um, or just hang out at, at one of their tap rooms because it's good people. It's good beer. You, you can't find a better afternoon. Heck yeah. 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 Cool. Well, before we move on, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our very special show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Longtime listeners of the show know Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. On September 9th, the Guild, along with Pals Brewing, will be hosting the Western Nebraska Craft Beer Festival in North Platte. You might be saying, but I'll miss the Colorado game. No, you won't. The Western Nebraska Beer Fest starts at 4 p.m. and features 18 breweries, wineries, and distilleries. If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild and pick up tickets to awesome beer-centric events by visiting their website at nebraska.beer. Awesome. Well, I think it's time now to dive into Nebraska's first game of the season to, to give our, our thoughts more specifically. <laughs> the, the one and only game of Matt Rule's tenure here. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. You know what's God. funny? 
So you you were higher on Matt Rule, I think, um, in the off season than I was. You know, I was kind of being a little more hesitant to to buy into the Rule Aid. I like Matt Rule more after this first game than I did before the first game. Wow. Okay, tell me about that. Yeah, it, and it's it's going to come all the way down to he he said from the beginning we are going to be a team that builds itself around defense. We are going to be a defense first team, and in my head I thought. I'm not sure that I buy into this three three five. I'm not sure that I buy into this being a physically uh, a physical enough team that's going to be a defensive juggernaut. I don't know that I buy into them being able to stop the run. I don't know if I just buy into all the things that he wants this defense to be in order to build around it. Yeah. And then this game happened. The offense didn't look great at times. At other times, the offense looked perfectly serviceable, but they were a defensive team yes they were a team that you can see okay i can understand where if the offense can keep up with what the other team is scoring this defense is going to be one that can put games away and sure you know you look at that last touchdown that was a incredibly well-run route by uh minnesota had a great move to, to to fake out malcolm hartzog and then an insane catch but that's what it took to beat this team defensively and uh and and so I'm I'm in. If if this is where he's going to build from, he showed me that the first building block was going to be the culture. We saw that in the offseason and all the videos and all the way that he spoke and the way that the players spoke. And then we got to see the product on the field with the defense that he had been saying, This is where we are starting. This is this is our this is page one. Yeah. And he delivered that. You know, he didn't deliver the win that everyone didn't think we were gonna get, but then as soon as we didn't get it, it was like, God damn it. <laughs> Uh, the offense looked rough. Yes, it did. Know? Yeah. Um, and and questionable calls at time as far as, you know, what offensive plays were being called um, and, and what we stuck with, what we went away from, all that sort of stuff. But the constant was this defense that just had to get beat on an insanely great athletic play in order to get beat. Yeah. And this, it was a, this was a defense that... Um, probably could have been caught off guard by what Minnesota threw at them. Like, literally threw at them. They were throwing the hell out of the ball. It looked like they were caught off guard and in the first, like, drive, two drives. Yeah. But they but they held, I mean, they held their own. They adjusted. <laughs> they, yeah, quickly. Yeah. Um, and in a big way, they, um, they continued to shut down the run. Um, they kept everything in front of them. I don't think... Minnesota had very many yards after the catch. They swarmed. They swarmed to the ball like crazy. Yeah, great tackling. Um, yep, there was really good tackling. Yeah, there was. I don't. There's few and far between where you ever like. Fuck, man, should have should have had him there. Um, got after Kaliak Manis. I thought pretty good. Generated pressure um, along the line and and from linebackers. And so, yeah, you walk away from this defense definitely feeling very Im- Im- impressed yeah. with what what they're going to build on. And again, just being the very first game. Um, Against a against a Minnesota team that not the not the best offense we're going to see this year, but still had some weapons at the skill positions. You know, and I also I don't think it's going to be the worst offense no, we see. I thought no, Kaliak Manis played a a decent game um, with the pressure that was being put on him by the defense. His ability to scramble and then keep his eyes downfield and make plays. I mean, Nebraska did not get to him a whole lot. They got close. Mm-hmm. But he never seemed uncomfortable outside of the pocket, and I think that that's that's a rare trait for a quarterback to be put on the move in the Big Ten uh, and to be able to deliver the ball like that. I thought that when he wasn't being pressured, he was smart with his throws. Um, he put the ball where it needed to go. 
I thought that the one interception he had, Omar Brown made an incredible play on the ball. Um, you know, and he just kind of jumped that route. That was more of a, I think, just a, a pretty lame duck route as opposed to a bad throw. Yeah. Um, so I think there was a lot of good that, that Kaliak Manish showed Nebraska, and I think that he'll continue to grow, and, and I think that he's a better quarterback than Tanner Morgan was yeah, for yeah. Minnesota. And Certainly so, more versatile. Yeah, so I, I think Minnesota can build a, a future around him, and and, mm-hmm. and um, P.J. Fleck is, is bought into him. I know that there's some folks who had been high on him, and he looked good against Nebraska when he came in last year, and he continued to look good against Nebraska this year. I think our defense just stepped up and, and shut down Minnesota's attack. Um about after the first second or the second drive, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was honestly most impressed with his poised, poised towards the end. Um, like I was watching him and I was like, like is he rattled? Cause he looked kind of like he was like, he like eyes wide, like deer in the headlight kind of look for, for a moment on that last drive. Um, but then his play was completely different and, yeah. and he was, you know, he obviously hit his, uh, receiver twice, twice in the end zone. One, one was good. So, yeah. Um, that the first one I thought, God damn it, that's going to be good, isn't it? Yeah. And I thought, like, are they going to overturn this? And then they didn't have to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was, uh, I was impressed with, with Calic Manis. I gave him a lot of shit for his name, but <laughs> he's, I think he's going to be a good, good quarterback and, and he's only got a few starts under his belt. So he's definitely yeah. going to grow there. I liked, uh, I think what did Gus Johnson call him? Like, uh, Athan, Cali, 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 <laughs> Cali McManus or something like that. I mean, it was. I, I want to go on the record and just say, uh, Gus Johnson, if he calls one more Nebraska game, which he's calling he's gonna Colorado Fox, game, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one too many games. Like I, I, I cannot believe, I cannot believe that they gave him two games in one week because he didn't even take the time to learn anyone's name in the Nebraska, Minnesota game, and I was just losing my mind. <laughs> that like, if I know that you're mispronouncing Minnesota player names. You haven't done your homework, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. Well, at least this, at least this coming game, he'll. It's two teams that he he had. Yeah, he'll know all of Colorado's him, so. names. <laughs> He's still gonna call. You know, was Borker true? Was oh, Bo Ricker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like, why do these guys all have three names? Yeah. <laughs> why is his name Nate Bo Ricker? Which great name, you know. Nate Bo Ricker. Nate yeah. Bo Ricker. I'm like, wow, well, that's an interesting nickname. So. Well, let's let's start with uh, with Nebraska's offense. Let's let's start talking there. I'd okay. love to hear your thoughts on on what you saw, uh, the blank, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, okay. The so the I'll start with the the ugly. Yeah. The thing that the thing that I liked least, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just one of those things where it's like I've seen this before, and I know how this story ends, and it's running the fuck out of your quarterback, not handing it off to your running backs. Not having um, a receiver core that is developed enough that you can, you know, rely on on the passing game and and mostly just running the fuck out of your quarterback. Like, um, I know Jeff Sims is a big dude. Um, he's obviously incredibly athletic. And he's very gifted as a runner. Like, I'm not taking that away from from him at all. And if it's it is a strength, but like if you abuse it, eventually it becomes a weakness. Right. And so for the for one game fine um you know they're they're hopefully just kind of figuring out what pieces they have and what works and what they're capable of in the in game situations um outside of practice and fall camp but i don't i don't want to see that continue i just don't yeah you know i think one of the 
the common complaints that you and I have both shared and that I've, I've heard from other fans and other media members is a lack of identity for Nebraska yeah. offensively. And, and I think that there's a fine line between identity and one dimension, right? We don't want a one dimensional team, which is the quarterback run game. Yeah. We want a team that can run power, which is attacking you with a bunch of different options. It's tight end and fullback screens. It's, um, wide receivers running screens and having you know li- uh, linemen being pulled and it's it's running this power option it's running all these different ways of being a team that's going to run all over you and we're going to tire you down like that's an identity yeah a quarterback run game is a single dimension of that identity and like you said we've seen this before we've seen what the result is of this and I I got to imagine it is part first game jitters it's guys not maybe being up to speed in the sense of like a lot of young guys who don't recognize the speed the game is played at and they need a game to adjust to it. And, you know, there's there's that old saying, the most growth happens between week one and week two. So I, I expect there to be a lot of things that change um, in how the offense is called and how they're continuing to develop the identity. Um, that being said, I think next week against Colorado, I think the quarterback run game will expose Colorado. So, like, it's it's this kind of difficult thing, but you don't want them to just center it, in on that. It, yeah, it feels like a trap um, because it, yeah, it, it like a crutch. It's something that you just kind of keep falling back on. Yeah, and it and it's either it's either um, because you again don't yeah you don't have an identity or you just don't feel like you have, you can rely on on something to be consistent. Um, and so it's it's not so much like I don't I don't think it's always that they choose to to run the hell out of the quarterback. Um, it's that other things break down or are not successful enough that that becomes um, excuse me just the fall, the fallback within the within the play. Like the yeah. quarterback doesn't feel feels like they don't have a choice. Like they have to get out of out of a bad situation, and the only way to do that is to run. Um, and so yeah, so it's it's. It's just usually it's almost like a symptom of a greater problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, against Colorado, yeah. I mean, yeah, like uh, TCU's quarterback was mobile and was able to use his legs to to beat them. I think Jeff Sims could be way better. Um, we'll, we'll we'll talk yeah, about we'll, we'll get into that all of that later. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, that that I think that's a very fair ugly. You know what I mean? I think that's a very fair thing that like is not likable about the offense of like okay. I can I can understand that this is game one, and I can understand that um, we're we're trying to rebuild something here, and we're trying to right this ship. But it is difficult as a Husker fan to look at that and go, "We we have seen this play out, and in this league, it doesn't it doesn't cut it. You can't get by with a single runner who is effective." Yeah, and then I think a, a caveat that a, something that's at least providing me a little more reassurance in it is Minnesota is a great defense. They they were a great defense last year. I think they're going to be really good again this year. Um, they showed an ability to get after the quarterback on their de- just producing sacks off that defensive line with only like three, three rushers. Three guys. Yeah, like, yep. Um, their their weakness from last year on defense they showed right out of the gate could be a strength this year. Um, facing that level of defense with with the first year coordinator, first year coach, first year you know quarterback all working together is going to lead to a lot of breakdowns and a lot of trouble um i think a good thing is is that we know that when those things go wrong we that jeff sims is capable 
of running. I think it's also important to know that we went up against probably what's going to be one of the best secondaries in at least the Big mm-hmm. Ten West, if not the Big Ten. You've got a guy that in Tyler Newbin that that anchors that defense that Jeff Sims was just he could he could throw the opposite direction of the field and Tyler Newbin would sniff it out. I mean, like he's that good. Um, he is a potential first round pick, you know, in the yeah. upcoming draft. So th- there there is something to be said about this offense going up against a buzzsaw of a defense that has continued to build year over year. That's the consistency that Minnesota's had, right? They haven't had that on offense. They're year seven, and they've been able to build around a defense, but their offense just hasn't had uh, coordinator consistency. They, you know, they've got a new quarterback, all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it, it kind of was the perfect storm for this offense to come out and maybe look a little more flat than it's going to be the rest of the year. Yeah, um, and and yeah, you know, when when we get into kind of talking about the next step up, the bad, it's it's like it almost feels like we got away from what we wanted our identity to be when we needed our identity the most. Yes. Yeah. Right? And, and that to me was, was really the disappointing part of the game. And, and I, I don't say disappointing in the sense of like, I'm no longer a fan, just <laughs> disappointing in the sense of like, I wish we would have ran the ball to try and put the game or, you know, when Tommy Hill didn't catch that pass. Okay. Now we got two downs. Let's, let's go get five yards and five yards. Let's move the sticks and let's reset. I didn't right. hate the throw. I didn't hate the call, the the initial call. I hated the two that followed it. Yeah, and they, you know, Rule talked about it being RPOs. Um, and again, I think we uh, we mentioned this already that they had the play, like it, they they were good calls. And and you've talked about this before about like, um, you know, not worrying so much about the result, but like the decision behind Correct. it. Yeah. I don't think it were terrible decisions behind any of those because it, it it showed that they could have gotten a good result. I don't and so I don't think they're gonna necessarily question that. I do I do think though that it did contradict a lot of what they were saying they wanted to do before about running in the fourth quarter, about um, you know, con- control like when they had the lead, like just run the clock out, man, possess the ball. Yeah. Um I personally I just didn't like the the PO part of the RPO. Like don't, <laughs> don't you know like you have a you have a, a quarterback that wasn't making the best reads and the best throws. Like he was staring down receivers um, throughout the game. He'd already turned the ball over a few times. Like just, just run it there. Like don't don't put the choice um, in the hands of your players at that point. Like and maybe that, maybe that contradicts rules philosophies. Um, maybe this was something that they were doing really great at in practice. I don't know. So like I can't like sit and like say like I've got a better insight at all, but. To me, it's like if you say you want to run the ball, if you have that lead, if you need to bleed the clock, just run it. Just fucking run it. Yeah. Like, just do that. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll push back on that a little bit as far as, like, taking the decision out of the player's hands. I mean, that's that's the lumps you get with with a a developmental program where you're trying to develop players that not just physically make the plays, but mentally make the plays. Yeah. And so I give give some grace there on the sense of, like, no, you got to keep putting the ball in the player's hands. It's my job to coach you to make the right decision. It's not my job to make the decision for you. So I push back on that a little bit. I I thought, I mean, Tommy Hill had a step on the guy. Had the ball been in the right spot, you know, that, that to me is like, okay, it felt like a mentally right decision to throw that ball there because he had an open receiver downfield that would have been a knockout punch. Mm-hmm. And and not that we're trying to go for knockouts coming out of the half, but that was a fourth quarter knockout punch. I mean, that would have been something that would have felt 
insurmountable at that point, the way the defense was playing. And it, and it wouldn't have been a touchdown. It just would have moved the ball down to the field where Nebraska would have gotten great field position, would have put Minnesota in a bad spot. You probably could have gotten to the point to where you kick a field goal. You know, you go up by two scores. So, like, I don't, I don't hate the thought process that goes into that, and I don't hate the decision to pull the trigger. I hate what follows it where it's like, okay, we need to coach our guys to, like, if there is a run-pass option here, we need to know that, like, now's the time to run it. Okay, we took our shot. Yeah. Now we got to go execute. So if you're going to make the decision to go for the home run ball and it doesn't work out, now you got to make the right decision that follows that. You can't just make the, the home run decision and then go, well, that one didn't work. Let's try another home run. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there needs to be the, 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 the choose your own adventure kind of thing. Or if this happens, you got to go to page 50 instead of page 100. Right. And that's where my frustration came in is it was like the, 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 the repercussions of the first play weren't felt until after that entire series. It should have been felt immediately. Yeah. Okay, I think that's a very valid argument, and I, like, thank you. Uh, yeah, Next, no, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> in, in the moment, it's like, why the fuck are we running, or why are we throwing the ball? Why are we throwing the ball? Why are we throwing the ball? In hindsight, hearing them explain it, it it's like, okay, I, yeah, I kind of get it, and then and and what you're saying is, it makes sense. I I still don't like it because I didn't like how it turned out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I still believe you know it could have gone and should have gone differently, but it's one of those things again where it's like you separate like emotion from reason and it's like, okay, I, I get it. It, it. it went not in our favor there, but at least there was a valid thought process that went into all of that. And it's something that they can learn from. Yeah. Coaches and players alike. Yes. And, and this, this feels like a staff, a coaching staff, not a staff infection. <laughs> this feels <laughs> like, this feels like a staff that wants those moments. They want to look at something and go, God damn it. We just learned from a mistake. Everybody round of applause like it, it's a that's a win for this staff, right? Like it feels like when this team and, and it didn't always feel like that, right? It always felt like if you made a mistake that that mistake was going to loom over you for the next three games. Whereas here it's like, hey, we got that out of the way early. We're lucky. We got gifted with a, a four turnover game on offense. We got gifted with a game that we had control of and we already, you know, we blew it. And Minnesota came back. They made some freak athletic plays and they got the job done. We didn't do that. But how lucky are we that we get to learn from this? How lucky are we that we played on Thursday and not Saturday? So we have two extra days to prep for our next game. Like we we have all the gifts we need uh, because in season we're not going to have this amount of time. So like lucky us. Yeah. And that, that's what this staff feels like where it's like they, they take these, these opportunities um, to turn them into good decisions, you know. And, and so, again, this is this could all be fabricated. This is me, me bullshitting 100 percent to myself. But that's why I'm feeling more confident now than I was before this game was played. Is it's like, okay, this staff, this press conference, Rule hasn't lost his confidence. He knows that losing is part of the game. But losing is a chance to learn how to win as yeah. opposed to losing leads to more losing. So I, I feel good, you know. And I'm not talking about I feel good going into week two. I feel good with this staff and the way that this team is going to grow and develop over the course of a year in two years and to this coaching staff's tenure. Yeah. I, I feel that I'm choosing to not feel anything. Okay. That's like, also you know fair. I mean? Yeah. I am choosing to make no honest, like I'm not going to buy into anything. I'm not going to shun anything. It's, I want, I want more. I want to see more. I'm going to, my goal is to get you bought in <laughs> before you see more. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not checked out. I'm not, I'm not like saying like, man, I don't know if I, if, I still really do. Like, I still drink the the Rule-Aid. 
that's a real thing. But as far as like just the season goes and how it progresses, um, I have things in mind like that I want to see, um, namely that that they evolve. Um, but I I can't make any sort of judgment until I actually see more games yeah. played. So yeah, I mean, uh, there's 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 not a big enough sample size. Yeah, I'm going I'm going pure Switzerland on this one, baby. I'm just like <laughs> sitting this one out. Nice. Yeah. So you're, um, you're going Drew Troll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what'd you like about the offense? What were some of the, the highlights that you saw? Uh, I liked Alex Bullock. I thought he had a great game um, leading the receivers. He got the first touchdown of the year for this team. So I feel like we should have got double points for that. that <laughs> right? If you, if you bounce the ball before you scoop it yeah. and throw it, yeah. It's I mean, in beer pong, you get you get two cups. Yeah. <laughs> why, don't, why didn't we get 12 points instead of... Oh, man. Yeah, that would have been, been great. But I, so Okay, so Anthony Grant gets the the pitch then he throws it back there's a bobbled catch but because it's a reverse pass it's still a live ball uh-huh. and then we pick up and throw for a touchdown when you're watching that were you just waiting for the flag for it to be some sort of like illegal procedure or something where they're like you can't you just can't do that in nebraska i was no i was so like caught off guard and like wrapped up in the like like no no like oh yeah 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 no 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 and then like yeah 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 like all of the the roller coaster ride that I wasn't thinking about anything else. I was just I was just I was just in for the ride. You know how I felt when when I saw chaos on screen. What I felt right at home. You loved it. I was like, here we go, here we go. <laughs> it's it's alarming that that was our only touchdown. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. But go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a good point. Um, the only one that counted. Yeah. The yeah. That's the only one that we got points for. Yeah. Um, but. It shows at least I no oh I was gonna say it shows at least that like we can have things like bounce our way yeah but I was thinking about it and I'm like it's almost as if there is like truly like a like a low key type god that's fucking with Nebraska fans where it's like he's like what like watch this <laughs> <laughs> and he bounces it and he gives us the touchdown on the most fucked up trick play but then we still you know and like just to, just to fucking give us hope but it's not like. It's not, we don't have hope in like, you know, like the team, like putting together a solid, you know, play. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm so bought into this. I am so bought into, to, to Loki being a God that is, is so honed in on Nebraska football. <laughs> and, and there was a, there, we just talked about it. There's more evidence that this is the case because Gabe Irvin crosses the goal line before his arm or hip or knee goes down. Yep. Nobody stops the play call. We line back up. We snap the ball. Jeff Sims goes in for a touchdown. So we've scored twice, but there's a false start. Yep. That apparently that penalty doesn't exist in Minnesota. <laughs> but then they review after there's been a false start. Like that to me just feels like do you guys want to do you want to see how we can fuck with these rules? We're going to review after the false start, but then when the review doesn't go through, we're going to put them back 5 yards. We're still going to do that. Yep. We're still going to they're still going to get the penalty. Yep. Uh, and then they're going to throw an interception. Like yeah. that's just. <laughs> <laughs> and then later in the game, we're going to offer the most egregious false starts in the history of the game on the same player over and over and over again, and make sure that they get the most ridiculous touchdown catch. Yeah. To put it away. That was that was a false start, right? Like I know that that I know, wasn't the only one. Well, I know it wasn't the only one, but I know that in in college and in the NFL, they occasionally give some grace to tackles to like. There's kind of like a a. a I don't know what you would call it. Like there's there's kind of like a benefit of the doubt of like the snap count and everything going off simultaneously where they do give a little leeway. 
Yeah. But two steps or like a step and a half is a bit much. He 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 had like did the leg kick, stepped yeah. back, threw up his hands. Like he was set before that ball would snap. And yeah, there's supposed was... to be a guy that stares directly at that. <laughs> like there's there's actually I think there's three guys. There's one on each side of the field and one behind yeah. who's supposed to go, no, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and yet they here, didn't, here they are. Didn't do it. So ugh. Okay, so you liked but Alex. I did. Um, I liked Alex. Um I liked I liked Gabe Irvin a lot. I liked seeing a lot of Ramir Johnson. I would like to see Ramir Johnson touch the ball a lot more. Dynamic. Um, yeah, he had the the um, the big kick return to yep. start off the half, um, which obviously is special teams, but it just shows what sort of a, a player he is um, and how important it is to get him involved in any way that you can. So Yeah. Um, also shows that Ed Foley is not a fluke. No. Ed Foley knows how to coach special teams because yeah. they have been abysmal at Nebraska. And everything, everything special teams that Nebraska did, I thought I was like, that was great. Except for the the first punt. They let it go. Where they let it go to like the one foot. But then that meant that the first offensive play was a QB sneak for five yards. And it was kind of like, I don't hate that. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they would say the offense still worked their way out of that one and flipped the field back. So, yeah, special, I mean, that special teams was like, was golden. Yeah. Um, we'll take a little detour. Let's talk about special teams. Okay. Because, I mean, offensively... There wasn't a whole lot that felt like great. I thought there were a lot of individual decent performances, you, but there's the pieces are, are the pieces there. are there. That that was one of those head scratching ones where it's like, okay, it feels like we're not actually coaching to our talent. We're not play calling to the guys who can go out there and make the plays. We're trying to force some stuff to work, and I think that that identity stuff again will get sifted out and get figured out as the season progresses. I hope so. That's one of my. Th- evolutions that I want to see because I want to see the offense evolve into something that I know what they're going to try to do every week. Well, I don't believe in evolution, so. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, fellow people. This is Ben and Drew with Wannabe Walk-Ons, and we wanted to take a quick break from talking football to talk to you about Teammates. Teammates is a mentoring program founded by Dr. Tom Osborne. You might have heard of him. Uh, And his wife, Nancy Osborne. Since its inception in 1991, Teammates has aimed to positively impact the world by helping and inspiring students to reach their full potential through mentoring. While mentoring may sound intimidating, the Teammates model makes it easy for mentors to have a positive impact. You don't have to be an expert to mentor a student, you just have to be there. Mentors and mentees meet in school during the day for about 30 minutes once a week to play a board game, work on a craft, or to just talk. Any kid as young as third grade all the way up through college can be in Teammates. 94% of students in the Teammates program say they're proud to take part, while 91% of mentors say teammates is the highlight of their day. (laughs) The other 9% clearly lost the board game. Surveys tell us that one out of every three students grows up without a mentor, but with your help, we can immediately start to change that statistic for the better. You can visit teammates.org to become a mentor today. No, so special teams, um, I thought were just awesome. Yeah. I had so much fun watching that, and it was nice to see us play special teams. Yeah. And you, and to use it as a as a, a weapon or a tool to to help out an yeah. offense that that maybe was struggling and and to, you know control field position which yeah. is um, that's part of Minnesota's game and a lot of Big Ten teams that's their their game control field position yeah um, and so Nebraska able to do that right out of the gates is great Alvano making his two kicks yeah you know one of the things that I love to see from field goal kickers is 
when they're hitting a mid range, and I think what was his like thirty four yards, something along those lines. Like it wasn't a crazy, nothing crazy, n- yeah. nothing crazy. But he put it right down the middle, and the ball was still rising as it crossed. Yeah, like you know, this guy's got a leg. Yeah, and and obviously for those of us who you know are around Nebraska high school athletics, uh, his 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 legendary state championship game where he made five field goals and, and hit the game winner and all that sort of stuff. Like when we were getting to that and Nebraska was moving down late to potentially set up a game winning field goal. I was like, buddy, we got the best of the biz. Yeah. Like we got the guy who no moment is too big. And this is just a game one. This isn't even a championship. This guy's going to come out and he's going to like, I was ready for that moment. And, and I'm sure he was even more so than I was on my couch <laughs> pumped full of Benadryl <laughs> from my, from my seasonal allergies taking over for the week i'm sure tristan was even more ready to just like i'm gonna send this off in style well and that makes such a big difference um as an offense like knowing like okay we only need to get to this yard line to feel very comfortable with our kicker getting there you don't they don't have to go that deep um and they don't have to range. even put uh, traffic cones on the sidelines <laughs> <I saw that laughs> to, to know which which kicker to deploy. They can just we can just send out a kicker. We just got one. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought Brian Buschini also showed yeah. showed that he's been putting the work in too. Like that was cool to see. Right? Is like we're gonna win with defense. We're gonna we're gonna play special teams. Well, guess what? Our defense went out there, played well enough to win the game, and we played special teams. And look where it kept us even with four turnovers. Again, this is more stuff that is just like, okay, I, I'm buying in. I see that even with some of the same bullshit from last year, we are we are closer than we were with Minnesota a year before. Yeah. You know, we looked more like a Minnesota team than we did uh, a, a bottom-feeding team. And Minnesota's yeah. been a good team, and they're seven years in. You know what? You can't be mad about still being competitive with a team that is seven years into kind of their build where we're year one and we're, we're, we're saying and playing the way that we're saying we're going to play. There's little tweaks here and there that we can fix. Again, I don't, I'm still, I'm getting, I'm going to get you bought in. I'm going to get you off that neutrality. I'm, well, okay. So I'm getting there to the, I'm at least like, okay, if, if going into the season, like looking back on last year and you say, we're going to improve two out of three phases where you where like, you feel very confident going forward after one game, you're going to lose a heartbreaker um, and, and, you know, one phase is still going to be a big question mark, but it's still, it's, it's unimprovement, right? Like it, we're still in a better place. And even though our, our offense, um, doesn't have a clear identity as far as I can tell, it's, it's definitely not throw it, throw it 45 yards to Palmer every chance you get. I mean, we could have used I, that a few times. We, well, we could have used it, but you know, it's, it's. It's open for possibility of what it could be. Yeah. Right. We're still at the beginning of this thing. And and so it's you know, nothing is set in stone. And again, we have we have some really good pieces in place. It's just gonna be how do they all develop and come together? But but they get to develop and come together knowing that they have defense and special teams to keep them in games. Yeah. Um and to and to really help them out. You know what our offense is? Here's an analogy. Let's hear it. Our offense is a puzzle, and the puzzle itself is just the color red. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> right? So, yeah. like, you have all the pieces to make up the finished product. How many pieces is this puzzle? Uh, a thousand? Uh, Eleven at a time. I don't know. What? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not saying it's a perfect analogy. Like a play school puzzle? No. No. I mean, 11 is the number of 
offensive players on the field at a time. Okay. Okay. I got a simple. It seems like a very simple puzzle. It does. It does. But you know what? It's going to be red no matter how you lay them out. Uh huh. But you still got to get them in the right order. You got to give them in the right spot. Yeah. Do you have a? Do you have like a picture of what it's supposed it's to look like? It's the color red. It's the color red. Just close your eyes and picture the color red. I I am. But is it like Go. on a canvas? Is it just everything? Okay. If you're going to do this, shape? if you're going to do this to my analogy, I'm trying to help your analogy. No, you're not. You're hurting my analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to say that we got we've got all the puzzle pieces. And we know what the image looks like. Okay, we do know what the image looks like. Yeah, it's the it's color red. <laughs> Go to the paint store, pick out a sample for red. Doesn't matter which one. That's the finished product. That's, that's, that's too ambiguous. It's not ambiguous, Drew. I think this is Nebraska's <laughs> offense's problem. <laughs> is that they're no, no, they're trying to be the image of a color, and you need to be a shape. Okay, fine. Your analogy somehow worked. Um to to one one of my favorite things from the broadcast, um, which I guess there were there were two things that I thought were unfair to Nebraska's coaches from the broadcast. One I sent to you, and one I put on Twitter, which was the picture of Matt Rule getting <laughs> Gatorade dumped on him, where it looked like he was being slimed yes. on some sort of Kids' Choice Awards. Yeah, and with the little score bug that Fox does, it looked like Nickelodeon was broadcasting the game. And then you got Gus that. Johnson. I hate that score bug. I hate it oh. so much. When you when you combine all that together, Fox has the worst broadcast. Yeah. And thank God they don't pay us dick. Because <laughs> Fox, your broadcasts are terrible. Your score bug sucks. Gus Johnson uh, is is the absolute worst. And uh, Joel Klatt's fine. Um, so that, that was, I was like, that's kind of funny. But also they didn't have to do that. But then they were talking about how Satterfield's kind of not had the, the best game that he's calling uh Joel Klatt was kind of making some comments about like I would have called those play decisions and they cut to Satterfield on the sideline right as a gust of wind like blew all of his paperwork (laughs) so it was just like (laughs) him scrambling to like he just looks like and it was like oh that's the Loki god man that's the Loki god (laughs) blowing (laughs) okay we're gonna cut in three two And and like Satterfield's a composed guy. He's you know he's he that is, he's kind of yeah. like that chill Southern kind of just gent. And uh, yeah, it was just like oh my gosh, they are just finding every way they can uh, to make Nebraska look not as cool as PJ Fleck. You know what I mean? Like yep. uh, yeah. so. <laughs> um, well, let's let's finish up this this Nebraska Minnesota conversation with with maybe the highlight. We talked a little bit already about defense, but what are some of the things you want to call out uh, on on defense for Nebraska? Uh, I really liked our defensive line up front, specifically uh, Nash Hutmaker. He was he was what I wanted him to be in this game, where yeah. he was getting the push up the middle. Um, they were able to generate a couple of sacks just on their own there too, so that was good to see. Do you think, um, do you think Gus Johnson was like had uh, here comes the grizzly bear? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't even get polar bear right. Or he's like here comes the koala. Nebraska's marsupial. <laughs> he gets so excited about everything. Everything. And it's like, man, that wasn't that exciting. No, and it won't it ruins like when things do get exciting. I know. It's like I've already heard this dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Um but uh Yeah, Nash was great. Yes, Nash was great. Um I, it was sad to see Robinson go. He deserved to be he he one hundred percent according to the rule. 
deserve to be ejected. I my, wish they would get rid of the ejection. They should but. get rid of the objection. The uh, ejection. Um, he definitely just lowered his his helmet. He shouldn't have done that. Nope. I mean, I don't mind the push on the quarterback. No, no, take yeah. the fifteen yards, whatever. You're asserting dominance. It's late in the game. You're trying to kind of like show that you're out toughing the yeah. other team. But yeah, he, but keep he, your head up, man. Yeah, don't yeah. dip your head like that. Um, but yeah, uh, linebackers were good. Reimer had a really good game. He was all over the place, which I thought was nice. Um, but the secondary, I think, was like hands down where it was at. Yeah. Um, Omar Brown obviously had the interception, which was cool to see. But uh, they threw what, 40, 44 passes in this game. Um, I looked to see when the last time Minnesota did that. Um, the last time they had over 40 attempts, passing attempts in any game, was October 1st of 2016. You. Yeah. Um, so that's Flex first season, isn't it? Ew. Or no, he was 17. Yeah, it might have been before he even wow, showed up. okay. Um, the last time that they had more than 44, which we saw, was on my wedding day, uh, September 12, 2015, against Colorado State. They threw it 45 times. Wow. And so, again, I got, they, this is a completely different Minnesota offense than, than um, what we've seen in, in a very long time. Um, and they did such a great job of, of shutting down some some quality receivers, um, guys who showed off their skill. Obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> making some pretty phenomenal catches, um, contested catches, and uh, yeah, I was just I was impressed by by that, especially the Mar- Marquise Buford being one of the guys that you might expect to, to come back and get some serious play in time or even be a starter down the line. Um, him being out of this game, they still they still did phenomenal. Deshaun yeah. Singleton was was everything. I think that that was advertised as far as, you know, coming up in the run game and making stops too. So, yeah, um, I think, I think him and him and Omar Brown led the team in tackles. So I, I think Singleton might be my, uh, my MVP for that, uh, that secondary at that safety spot. Um, just not in just the single game, but also the way that, you know, he came up from the junior college ranks. He worked his way into a starting spot, earned the single digit number, earned the black shirt and then delivered. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that that's something where we've seen that. Um, and that's again, this is a new thing, right? We hear how great these players are going to be and and do, they just don't deliver, you know, because they're they're in a bubble, right? They're in their little they're in their little shell and then come game time they don't produce and under this staff this defense produced in yeah. a way that we had been told all off season like this defense is winning. This defense is winning week after week and they showed us that. Yeah. You know. Um, you mentioned Nash. Uh, I thought Blaze had a nice game. Uh, Quentin Newsom, Omar Brown, Deshaun Singleton. Um, I, th- I thought that this defense just looked stout, and Minnesota had to make an impossible play with a penalty that was not called in order to beat this defense. Yep. So I don't know how you be how, how you can be more upset about that, or not upset. At, wait, what am I trying? To, I don't know how you can be upset about that. Yeah. I think the defense performed uh, incredibly well, and I think that this is a Minnesota team that is going to put up points against lesser defenses um and i think as they continue to get comfortable in their offense we're going to be like man they really pitched a great game yeah yeah if minnesota can find a way to get their running game going against any other team like that's they're gonna clear they're gonna clear 30 i think on average for the year yeah um because yeah it'll just make that passing offense more potent it'll make caliak man his his mobility and run game that much more potent too oh so. yeah and, and the way that they were able to kind of just like dink and dunk and get you know five six seven yards at a time uh brevin span forward was you know again as advertised for minnesota where where he was able to move the chains in, in key situations and stuff like that the the more 
that they work on that timing uh, for Calic Manis to get to his receivers and get them out in space, and and they start getting their confidence. They're going to break plays, and, and those little passes that only go for five yards are going to break for 10, 15, 20 down the, down the field. Yeah. Well, I was, I was going to say that's where, that's where Nebraska excelled, and we talked about them just being sure at tackling. Um, we've been dinked, dinked and dunked on before. Like, we faced this type of opponent before with the mobile quarterback who, who just has that high, high percentage throw. And the, and it was always frustrating. It wasn't frustrating on Thursday. Like it just, I never was like, oh, fuck, like here's not five, six yards. It's because they're, they were completing five and six yard passes and then getting tackled. It wasn't, right. they weren't throwing it at the line of scrimmage, missing the tackle, you know, from the linebacker flying in on pursuit and then being tackled five or six yards down the field. Um, and so it was, it was a very different feeling of dink yeah. and dunk where it was, Nebraska's defense pretty much always felt like they were in control. Yeah, they never felt out of position. Yeah. They, they never felt like they weren't prepared for where the ball went. Yeah. Well, that's that, man. I mean, that's that's the first game of the season. It's out of the way. The, the jitters are gone. We know what we're going to kind of be looking at for for the rest of this season. It's going to be a defense and a special teams that uh, that carries Nebraska, and then the offense is going to just need to, to kind of come into their own and figure out what their identity is and, and play to that. Start playing to their strengths. Yeah, but we got a tough test ahead uh, in, in this next week against a Colorado team that really fucking showed out, man. Fuck, I can't believe it. Uh, good for them. Yep, I'll eat crow on a lot of the things I said. Oh, one hundred percent. We we in our preview we were saying that they were tiny and they were small and they weren't going to be physical. And you know well, they still are. <laughs> they're, they're not completely undersized, but no. they're fast as hell. They were, or I think my biggest thing is like we'll we'll get into it, but they were organized they were very organized and i thought some of the stuff tcu did was kind of like head scratching as far as trying to stop that organization and we could talk about that too mm-hmm. but um just real quick to to throw some numbers at you um you know Deion sanders in his very first game is now one and oh as a head coach at colorado uh with a 45 to 42 win over number 17 ranked tcu which is uh, a bullshit ranking it is but they they were the runner-up for the national that championship was, last year i mean they deserve to at they, least it was a it was a nod like yep you guys were in the championship last year here's a number by your name but that ain't sticking around yeah and uh, Colorado is going to be going up against Nebraska in Boulder at eleven o'clock Central Time on Fox hosted by none other than Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt <laughs> uh, Matt Rule the head coach of the Huskers is zero and one after his first game we just talked about it the thirteen to ten loss to Minnesota the spread for this one uh, is lots of fun because it opened with Nebraska as an eight and a half point favorite. And that line has shifted, I would say, a little bit to where at the time of this recording, and I think it's going to get even further away from this. It uh, might even flip. It already has. Oh, shit. Colorado is sitting right now at a, like a two and a half point favorite. Whoa. Yeah. So it definitely made some moves. Now, okay. you take into account home field advantage. That still says that this is basically a toss up game. Yeah. Uh, it could go either way. People, I think, are still waiting to see as far as like Vegas goes. Uh, whether or not this is a fluke for Colorado. If it was a fluke for Nebraska, you know, who's the fluke? Who's for real? Um, so I think this is going to be a very telling game. Yeah. Um, but let's 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 just dive in, man. I so I I made room in my notebook for notes. I want to show you my notes. <laughs> and for those of you obviously who aren't sitting down here in the basement, there's nothing there. I have no notes because I'm just so I didn't know what to say. Yeah. Okay. Like I think I think that this game matches up so well for both teams. I think that everything that Nebraska does well is designed to stop Colorado and everything that Colorado does well is designed to stop Nebraska. Yeah. 
And, and I think that that, as a fan of college football, is so exciting. As a fan of Husker football, is terrifying. And as a fan of shitting on Colorado, <laughs> is awful. Yes. <laughs> like, there, there's, there's just so much to this game that uh, is, is exciting and enticing, uh, but also just nerve-wracking. 100%. So. Yeah. Especially because, like, like, I was so I was so far off on what I thought that they were going to look like. Who There were, like, three people who were like, Colorado's going to be good. I would even say that Colorado fans were, were like, they're the, stunting. They're, they're faking their confidence. A lot of the, a lot of the, I don't talk to a lot of Colorado fans, but a few were, they're very measured in what they, in their approach to like, well, like, yeah, like I think Dion will be good, but uh, you know, I'm going to wait and see. And um, he's like, you know, there's a lot of talent. And so uh, it's like very, it was very like relaxed. Like they were all kind of like, we need to pump the brakes on it. But like now I don't, I don't know. Oh man, those, <laughs> those brakes are gone. Cut those brake lines, <laughs> their car is rolling downhill. Yeah, but I thought I thought just with what we were seeing, like what they were putting out on social media about this team and and um, Dion's very like Dion centric approach to everything, I was like, there's no way that they're gonna come together as a team um, and coalesce into anything that resembles a quality football team. Yeah, and um, they did kind of do that. Yeah. On, on Saturday, they, they offensively like they looked like a fucking juggernaut. Yeah. Granted, TCU's defense is garbage, like complete garbage. They were bad last year. Um, they're going to be horrendously worse this year. Yeah, barely cracked um, the top one hundred in in defenses, which tells you how good their offense was to make it as far as they did. Yeah, and that so and that's okay. So when I still don't know about Colorado, like I just want to put that out there. Like I was wrong about like some of the things that I thought I would see, but like they're still big time question like they're an enigma because TCU um had brought back just as much production as Colorado which is like like next to nothing right, right? like they were one and two in the country in, in production that they were bringing back from last year so you were not seeing 2022 Colorado versus 2022 US or TCU just the 23 versions like these are completely different teams yeah um and so anybody who's out there saying like, oh my God, I can't believe like one of the shittiest teams beat like the number two team or number 17 team or whatever. Like, no, like Colorado beat TCU, but they were, they were as far removed from last year as Nebraska is from last year. Like they're different teams. Yeah. Um, and so it is still a, a major question mark. I think TCU also had a disadvantage in, um, you know, not only bringing back a bunch of new guys, um, they had a new offensive coordinator and they had no idea what the hell to expect out of Colorado. Sure. They had nothing on them. Sure. So they just had to fucking go out there and hope for the best. Um, and they held their own. Like they went blow for blow with Colorado. It's not like Colorado went, th- went out there and like smoked them. Right. The only thing Colorado beat the hell out of was most people's expectations. Sure. So I guess if we, if we start looking at kind of the, uh, the different facets of the game, let's, let's start with Nebraska's offense against Colorado's defense. What do you think is going to be key for Nebraska uh, going up against this Colorado defense, like what? What do you want to see from Nebraska's offense? Slow pace, like yeah. Slow it down. So TCU yep. went up tempo. Yep. Um, they were going to go blow for blow with Colorado. They um, they struggled mightily. Some of that wasn't necessarily because of the tempo. It was just adjusting again to all this these new parts. Um, but you, we will not be able to boat race Colorado. Like we just won't. We do not right. have an offense that's going to keep up with this. Even if our offense was like clicking a hundred percent on Saturday, it would still be a struggle if we were like, "Fuck it!" Like let's just see who scores the most points. Like, um, 
slowing it down, controlling the controlling the clock, um, controlling the pace, running the ball, using your size advantage against them because you're not going to have a speed advantage, um, protecting the ball. You don't want to give them extra possessions by any means. And so my my hope, regardless of who the opponent was, my hope was that that they would just run the ball. And I'm not like trying to be a run the ball guy, but like run the fucking ball. Like yeah. that's all you have to do. Just run the hell out of it. Like get all your push up front. Use your big bodied backs. Use your tight ends and, and fullbacks for blocking. Um, use your big bodied receivers to get out on the edge and block on the edge, and and just fucking pound it until they stop you. And then once they stop you, fucking hit, run again just to be sure. Yeah. Like don't please do not stop running against this team. I I think I think part of Nebraska's defensive approach needs to be like you said, an offense that keeps Colorado's offense off the field. That's obviously where where Dion is investing his attention, right, is in this offense. And, and he brought in an incredibly good defensive coordinator. We talked about that in our preview with Charles Kelly. And, and he got that Colorado defense to a point to where they could make a key stop when a stop needed to be made. He made the right call that he knew TCU was going to try and run the ball, slow the game down right at the very end, and go for that final knockout punch. They wanted to hold the ball until the end. And he was prepared for it, yeah. right? But that was about the only time that Colorado stopped the run. And so just like you're saying, run the ball until you can't run the ball anymore. Give plenty of touches to Gabe Irvin. Let him run over. I would, lo- I would love to see an option with Jeff Sims and Gabe Irvin. Yeah. That, because that size up against that secondary and having to have them then crash down and try and slow that down the way that we already saw Gabe Irvin running over Minnesota players, Minnesota linebackers and getting them out of the way for second effort. He's going to be able to break away from Colorado on that. They have speed, but they don't have size. Yep. So I do want to see a healthy dose of that from Nebraska's offense. Um, and, and Jeff Sims just has to protect the ball and be smart with where he's putting that. And that's, that to me is partially on Marcus Satterfield too to call a game that plays to Jeff Sims's strengths where he's, throwing these mid-level, short, quick passes, putting playmakers in space, and letting our size take advantage of Colorado's size. Yeah, yeah, because the secondary is loaded with talent. Yep. Um, and we knew that they had a lot of individual talent, but they showed that they're able to put that together um, to make a, a passing game struggle. Um, I think uh, Travis Hunter had an interception um in this game uh so i i don't think that jeff sims is going to be able to be like a gunslinger in this one at all high percentage passes for sure um i think play action can be our friend if our running game is working um read options i think that colorado i feel like they're going to have a pretty aggressive approach um to stopping us. And so I think that read option can work really well in our favor. Yeah. Um, as long as Jeff's making the right reads and, and, you know, pulling it when, when it's right or handing it off when it's right. Um, so I, yeah, I think the, I mean the right, the right game plan, like Nebraska has the, has the ability to control this game. I don't like Colorado's defense was not impressive. No. Um, yeah, forty-two points. Any, like isn't. they gave up, yeah, they gave up forty-two to a, a TCU team that had returned like nobody, um, you know, and had a new offensive coordinator who was trying to like install their like they yeah they and they didn't always have an answer for them and and TCU showed that you that they could adjust 
to what Colorado was doing to take advantage of it. Um, it's just that TCU didn't have the defense on the other side to help them out. And so, yeah, Nebraska can play complementary football and, like, and just yeah, just slow it down and run the hell out of the ball. Um, we have we a have size advantage with, with guys like Fedoni and, and Bo Ricker. Uh, our our wide receiver room um has good enough size like again like speed's not gonna beat them i honestly i don't think that the uh camp sees sees a lot of action in this one again um but but marcus washington you know should play the full game and and he he only played a half and he he had a good second half um you know him and him and uh and uh bullock and and the other guys they should be able to like Make not make explosive plays, but make solid plays that just keeps the chains moving. Yeah, get into space, get open. You know, work your route to the point to where Jeff has a nice target that he can hit, and and just don't try and make Jeff win the game with his arm. Yeah, you know, and 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 he might have that in him, and he's got a big arm, and he you know he can he can hit those balls, and we saw it in practice, and we saw it with his time at Georgia Tech. We we know that he has that ability, but I think that you need to build up to that, and I also think that this isn't the same wide receiver core that he had at Georgia Tech. And, and so you've got to give these guys time to develop. And I think that there's a reason that we saw Matt Rule bring in so much speed in the wide receiver room in this recruiting class and, and that he's focused again on speed in the next recruiting class is because he knows that there's a deficiency there, that his guys aren't fast enough to get the job done consistently to where they're working their way open um, based on their speed alone. And so that to me is kind of like, a, oh, we should have seen that coming, that this wide receiver room wasn't going to be as dynamic as we hoped it would be for Jeff Sims. So even though, um, you know, he, he had three interceptions, I don't think it's all 100% on him when he's trying to make something happen and he's given that kind of that confidence and that trust and that sort of thing. Um, I think that there is something to say, too, about the, the personnel that Nebraska's working with. So I think we just need to be smart offensively, scheme around the fact that, yes, Colorado's got incredibly fast uh defensive backs, corners, safeties, all that sort of stuff, um, and just try and, and overwhelm them to the point to where they are gassed on defense by the end of the game. And then the offense uh, for Colorado just isn't seeing the field as often. Yeah. You know, that again, Nebraska's offense can be its best defense. If we're having eight-minute drives and then Colorado goes out and has a stalled drive because they're not getting in rhythm or anything like that, and then the ball goes right back to Nebraska and we wear them down again, like – there's a quarter gone with two drives. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which would be huge. Um, I guess. And then they, to finish that off, I mean, you got to finish your drives. Yeah. You know, they were over two in the red zone. So that's a, that's a critical component because you can bleed the clock on yourself too, especially if, if Colorado, you know, pops off for a couple big scores. Um, you know, you don't, you don't want it to be that they're getting ahead of you by two scores. You want it to be sure. that they're just trying to keep up and, and score quick. Um, so Nebraska is going to have to be very efficient, uh, once it gets down to crunch time, but it, it's, I don't, I mean, I don't remember very well, but I don't think Colorado did that great in the red zone either. I think maybe they had a, a stop here or there, but what I, what I will say is Colorado was helped out a lot by TCU in clutch situations. And one of the things that really kind of was, I guess, switching gears into talking about Nebraska's defense going mm-hmm. up against this Colorado offense, um, TCU trying to sub when Colorado was running at warp speed was insane to me. That That, was just bad coaching. Right. Yeah. What concerns me 
is Tony White does a similar thing where he likes to sub. Mm -hmm. But what I liked about what he did against Minnesota was he would sub whenever Minnesota was sub. He would have his guys ready. That's the only time to do it. Right. He wasn't trying to like sneak it in every down. Right. And I think that they're going to know, okay, Colorado's going to come at us as fast as humanly possible. So we're just going to, we're going to stick with our guys and we're going to swap series instead of swapping plays. Yes. And when they sub, we sub. Yep. So I, I think that Tony White, excuse me. <coughs> God damn it. <laughs> I know coughing is great for podcast. I know that that people are like, hey, do that more often. Yeah. They're clicking back that little 10 seconds. They want yeah. to hear it again. I am, I am still fighting these <laughs> stupid harvest allergies. Um, why do I live in this state? <laughs> Oh, goodness. It's trying to kill you, man. It really is. It really is, slowly uh-huh. but surely. So I, I I, have confidence that they will now be prepared for that kind of attack from Colorado and that we won't have some of those boneheaded mistakes on defense that Colorado was able to expose. I mean, right. time and time again, they were called for like 12 men on the field or they just weren't set and ready. They had wide receivers wide open. That's yeah. not going to happen in this in, in Nebraska's defense. Yeah. They're, they're not going to do that. When I thought it was... I mean, that, w- that was one of my notes that I marked down, too, is that they're going to have to figure out how they want to rotate guys in because they'd, they'd use that to great effect. Nebraska's defense did. Um, they are going to have to adjust, and they will. I thought it was funny that TCU was unable to do that, even though like that's the type of offense that they go up against <laughs> like in practice every day. Like, How do you not have that settled? Um and like, and it's, a, yeah, it's a, they're, they were moving so fucking fast. Like you own, like you sub out when they sub out. Like yeah. that's just, that just seems like common sense. But again, TCU, that just shows you like what type of team TCU is this year, like where, or where they're at with their new regime. So, um, I, I marked that down as, as something that, uh, it, it doesn't worry me, but it's definitely something that Nebraska, it, it's not to Nebraska's advantage. They will not be able to operate you know, at Minnesota's pace. Right. I, I do want to see uh, Nebraska get to Shador Sanders more often than TCU did. Yep. Um, that's something that TCU didn't do a great job. They didn't make him uncomfortable. Gosh, can you hear my nose just stuffing up as we talk? <laughs> no, you're okay. Okay. Not, yeah. um, they didn't do a good enough job of, of making him uncomfortable in the pocket. They didn't put him in, you know, make him scramble. They didn't make him work to find guys downfield. And, and a lot of times they were doing these quick passes and stuff like that. But as the game opened up, TCU was gassed. And so they weren't sending guys. They were dropping guys back because they knew how Colorado was going to try and, and attack them. Um, and so I want to see Nebraska get to Shador and and start to, to rattle him a little bit more uh, because I think that's where culture comes into play. I think that's where when Dion says, we don't care about culture, we care about like athletes and we care about guys getting the job done. If anything would go wrong for Colorado, players would come to the sideline chewing each other out. There was no lifting each other up like, hey, let's work on that. Travis Hunter was getting frustrated. Shador Sanders got up, upset at times. Dion got upset at times. Like, there, you, you need to have culture when the NCAA is a developmental league, right? You're developing that, these guys to play at the next level. So it can't be about, I'm the all-star and you're the scrub. And if, if something goes wrong, it's not my fault. So I think if you can get in their mind and rattle. I think that there needs to be a mental game played here too of let's get him on his back a few times. Let's get him uncomfortable. Let's let him know that we can get to him. And at times he's not going to know. And that's the beauty of Tony White's defense that he does a great job of uh, disguising where his pressure is coming from. And Nebraska did this against Minnesota too, where he'd, he'd bring down a couple of linebackers and you think, okay, they're going to blitz and they drop back into coverage, you know, and then 
your 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 offensive line is not sure where it's coming from a guy like nash can get through uh just on a straight bull rush yeah you know so i i think there's some stuff to play with there where nebraska can take advantage of their size over the offensive line of colorado um which tcu wasn't able to do i think nebraska can they can um and and they'll like you said they'll have to get after Shadur because he's he's not a running quarterback like at all and and you could see that because um, when TCU was chasing him he wasn't scrambling to like run he wasn't trying to look for a running lane um, and he would stay in in uh, back behind the line to and with his eyes downfield like yeah. he was always waiting for coverage to break down great court I mean. He's, he's he's a good quarterback. He is a very good quarterback in that sense, and and he would usually find his guy. Um, they did a great job converting like a lot of third and longs that way. Um, and so yeah, if you if your plan is to get after the quarterback, like not you you can't just chase him around. Like you have to actually you have to lay him out. Like yeah. you have to get to him because um, otherwise he's gonna he'll have outlets. He'll have Dylan Edwards to dump the ball off to. Um, or, you know, any of his other, like, he's got three other really great wide receivers that, um, Horn not, Jr. had a great yeah, game. Yeah. Um, and, and Travis Hunter, who played like a million snaps and yeah, 119 snaps or something like that. 120 snaps. Yeah. 119 yards and interception. Yep. Yeah, yeah. If they're not streaking down the field, they're, they're running across or, or looking, they're just, they're scrambling around with their quarterback trying to get open. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, Nebraska is going to have to. I think I think getting to him is going to be critical, um, but getting to him and bringing him, him down is going to mean everything. Yeah. So, well, and then finally looking at special teams for this game, um, I think Nebraska holds an advantage here. Nothing that Colorado did on special teams to me was super exciting. Yeah, they had one really great punt. Okay. Like, like corner coffin. What is it? Coffin corner kick. What I don't remember what they're called, but put it inside coffin the corner one. Sounds good. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, oh, we've been there. Nebraska, yeah. get out of that. We, do a, <laughs> right? we did that last QB time. QB sneak so. for five yards, and we give ourselves a pretty yeah. good. Yeah, no, I agree. I, my special teams knows is we good. Like, yeah. we're good. <laughs> no, I, I, I feel confident yeah. with Nebraska playing special teams that they have definitely focused on that um, for this upcoming season, and I think that that's an advantage, and I think defensively Nebraska holds an advantage. So for me, this comes down to how does Nebraska's offense respond from, from the Minnesota game into this game, and if, if they can, I think it'll be a game. You know, I, I, and, and if, if not, I think that the defense will keep it competitive and we'll have stuff to build on. Yeah. I'm there with you. I think it'll be, I think it'll be competitive. Um, I, I think it'll come down to whether the defense can contain the speed of Colorado's offense. Um, if they can continue to prevent any deep shots, um, don't let anybody get behind you. And then, yeah, can our offense score one more point than theirs? You know what? Our defense could score points too. <laughs> I'm saying if you when you have a quarterback that goes into a week one and everything goes their way and they think that they are unbeatable, I sometimes think that that mistakes happen on that. You know, I'm I'm not saying that there's gonna be a complete fall from grace because I do think Shador Sanders is a great quarterback, but I think that there might be some confidence where he goes, No, I can make that throw and maybe that throw can't be made. Maybe not. I will say though that even on his contested throws, um, especially to Travis Hunter. Like, Travis Hunter knows how to fucking win a ball. 
Yeah, their wide receivers are pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to take away. So even from, yeah, even good coverage is their their quarterback play and their skill position play is better than Nebraska's. I don't think there's I don't think there's an arguing that, and I yeah. think that's where a lot of frustration comes from Husker fans. We're like, God damn it, like, <laughs> how? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, when you re- take all of the garbage off of a team and you replace it with high quality players who want to come play for a coach like Deion Sanders in a place where all of the attention is, you're going to get a good result. Is it a sustainable result? We don't know. Ask Mel Tucker. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where it worked for Texas State, too, against Baylor. Texas State cleared their roster and brought in a bunch of transfers, and they beat uh, a Baylor team. Thank God we didn't hire Dave Aranda. <laughs> I mean, I was on that kick for a while where it was like, I think he's the guy. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where, like, this is a way to win games. Bringing in a lot of high-skilled transfers can win you games. Is Nebraska trying to have a great 2023 or are we trying to get back to a point to where we are competing for championships year after year? That's the question you got to ask yourself. And so like you might look at Colorado and be like, God, why aren't we Colorado right now? But don't ever say that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, totally. That's gross. That's, that's like being like, God, I wish we were Iowa. No, I don't want to be Iowa. <laughs> I want to do this the Nebraska way, which Matt Rule is trying to bring back the tradition while moving us into the future with NIL, with bringing in the right transfers, not just the most talented transfers. You know, it's going to take some time to learn on this sort of situation. But again, I think we've got a really good matchup coming up against a Colorado where not only are we philosophically on opposing spectrums, but it is a little bit like Star Wars. I feel like like Star Wars yeah, a little like, bit, like yeah, the good force against the bad force. Yeah, I don't know Star Wars very well. Yeah, but. I mean that's just that's just <laughs> that's heroes and villains. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it just feel like good guys versus bad guys? <laughs> but but I do think that uh, our our defense matches up well against their offense, and I think our offense matches up well against their defense. And it's going to be just a matter of who has the will to outlast the other, like who can get it done. Which I know yeah. is is why you play the game. Um, but like that's exciting. It is. I agree. It is actually like, very exciting. Yeah, I'm fascinated by Colorado still, and and it, like getting to see them firsthand against like and to measure our team against yeah. theirs and and yeah, it's exciting is the right word. Absolutely. Well, I think we need to take a break, grab another beer, and then we'll give our predictions. Cool. Uh, for this this Colorado. I matchup. hope you have more notes on your prediction than you do on. I got all the notes I need in my brain, baby. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. We will be right back after a brief intermission. For you guys, it's, you know, a couple of seconds for us. It's who knows how long. A couple of beers. All right, guys. We are back from our brief intermission, which I don't know if you guys took one or not, but we sure as heck did. And uh, I don't know why I just went a little north. <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> I guess oh man, they got to you. They did. They 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 did. Uh, but uh, it's tradition around here that when Nebraska takes a, a road trip uh, for an upcoming game, we like to raise a glass uh, in respect to our uh, upcoming opponent with what we call the sportsman sip. Um, and this week, Drew has provided us some beer. Uh, I think by way of of Roger, right? Yeah. Your father has shout out has to my dad gifted us. Thank you, Roger, for bringing us back some beer on a recent trip to. Colorado the state is lovely boulders trash and uh, <laughs> this is the trash talking hey. portion but also no we uh, yeah tell us what we're drinking all right we're, we I'm are spiraling here, here. Right. <laughs> we are drinking um, a dunkel from Prost 
Yeah. And that's just what it's called, Dunkel. They don't they don't name it anything special. I like that. I like when breweries do that. That's what Prost does, I think, with a lot of their beers. When they're just like, Dunkel. this is the style. Yeah. What you happens what when they getting. do two of the same, though? Do they just call it like... Dunkel... Dunkel, Dunkel zwei. Eins, yeah. They Dunkel drei. <laughs> Dunkel fünf. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, so this is Dunkel. It is German style, dark lager. Um, so I, I just pulled up their website. It's a deep, rich, roasted chocolate and nutty flavors evolved from the brewing process, and the darker imported Munich grain gives you a smooth, malty finish. Moderate bitterness is sufficient to balance out any sweetness you may taste. Minimal hop aroma comes through. Instead, notes of bread and nuts dominate the nose. For the maximum flavor experience, serve Prost's, Prost's Dunkel in a Becker glass or a Stein as a second choice. Oh, okay. I think it's Becker. B-E-C-H-E-R. Sure. Yeah. We. I mean, I don't think we're doing either <laughs> of those things. Yep. Not at all, but o- yeah. Option one should be out of the can. <laughs> <laughs> option two should be in a glass you just rinsed That's out. It. Yeah, exactly. So, um, this is a great, this is a great beer. It I is think a great it's like, beer. Yeah. It's a really nice pivot from um, drinking the vanilla bean blonde, which, you know, is a little bit sweeter has a little bit more of those dessert profiles without being a heavy dessert beer. Mm-hmm. It just it just it's a nice, crisp, refreshing, refreshing, <laughs> refreshing dirt dirt beer. <laughs> wow! I told you, You're man, falling apart. I it's a good thing we're getting to the end. We really are in more ways than one. It's just it's one of those things. So yeah, no, this Dunkel's really nice. It, it, those bready and malty notes, um, I think, are just they're a very comforting flavor profile for a beer yeah um and they're one that when when the right notes are hit you can tell that like okay whoever's brewing this can brew to style and is very like it's it's yeah it's it's hard to do the greatest hits and do them well yes yeah and when you when you find a brewery that can do that like hang on to them and don't let them go (laughs) right yeah and that's when you can just call it dunkel you don't have to give it a fancy name you don't have to put in a fancy can even though uncle dunkel's sitting right there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there has to there has to be so many beers named Uncle Dunkle. Uncle Dunkle. If yeah. there's not, there will be now. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You should brew it. Yeah. Can you brew a Can you brew a Dunkle and name it? I could. I've never done a lager before because I don't feel like doing the whole. How uh, many? Cold, okay, cold fermentation. How uh, five and a half over under on if you were to look on Untapped, how many beers are named Uncle Dunkle? What do you think? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say under. You're gonna say five and a half under. Yeah, under. Okay. I feel like yeah, because I think like a lot of breweries like make sure that like, they're not like if there's like if there's five like you're not gonna go for you're not gonna be number six. Okay. How many unk dunks do you think there are? <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't included in the no no. no there's, unk, there's separate. unk dunk unk is dunk. its own entity. <laughs> An unk dunk. And then and then unky dunky. I mean, you <laughs> keep you going. Go, you can. I just feel like. I'm on a train here, Uncle McDunkelson. Man. I'm back on the tracks, baby. There go, yeah. Here we go. It is not falling apart at all. Now, what do you think about the beer? Um, I really like it. I do think that it is a, a really great um, balance between the sweetness and the maltiness. Uh, that that just makes it great. I, I pick up a ton on like the nutty flavors. Yeah. Um, it's you know it's a it's a dark lager without like without roast quality at all. Right. Um, and so that just gives it that very wonderfully smooth balance to it so what i what i really like about some some maltier beers is there's like a creamy quality that comes to it um especially as it kind of like sits on your palate it gives this quarter, sort of like uh, unctuousness or this fattiness and that's the, mm-hmm. it's not just it's not just the flavor profile of, of of nuts but it's also kind of that that high fat content that you get from 
from that nut flavor profile. So I really, I really like that too. When you get sort of that creaminess, cream ales pull it off as well with, with the sugar content where it gives that nice velvety feel. But I think yeah. that the, the Dunkel kind of lends that in more of a, like this would pair well with cheese. There's a dryness, mm. but an unctuousness like, yeah, really, really nice beer. I mean, really well balanced, flavorful without being uh, an overwhelming like slap yeah. of, of flavor. So yeah. well done. Prost. Way to go. Prost. Prost. It's almost like you, they knew. Oh, they They're like, you know what yeah. we're going to name our brewery? <laughs> a, a common Uncle cheers. Dunkle. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. Maybe we'll stick to Prost. Uncle Dunkle's Beer Farm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, are you what, ready? What would be, what? Nope. <laughs> is, You're not. Is there, a, is there a worse brewery name than something like Than that? Uncle Dunkle's Beer Farm? <laughs> I wonder if, if, if that IP belongs to us or if it belongs to Herdat. <laughs> because I feel like I could give Vala's some serious competition. With Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're going to Vala's? Well, we're going to Uncle Dunkle's Uncle Beer Dunkle. Farm. Could you imagine going to a farm and, like, getting a wagon ride out to a field and it's just, there's just, like, beer, like, everywhere. You just pick out your... Out your beer right out of the right off the vine, right off the vine. Yeah, you just snap a fresh one <laughs> off of there. Yeah, that'd be great. <sighs> oh man, some some brewery is gonna have to do a commercial. Come uh, come like Halloween time. It's gonna be pumpkin beer. Yeah, uh, wouldn't that be good though? Like that'd be such a good commercial. Yeah, if only pumpkin beer was better. Like pumpkin, pumpkin beer's okay. I know you just said you hate it, kind of under your breath. Yeah, that's fine. I'll say it louder. You want me? I I hate pumpkin beer. Do you? Yeah. It's not necessarily a spice flavor profile that matches well with a whole lot of beers. You've got to brew kind of a base beer specifically to partner with that. Vanilla bean could pull it off because it has some of those sweetness notes um, that would play well with some of like the the cardamom and the the cinnamon and the clove and that sort of thing. Um, But like it kind of would clash, I would think, with like a stout or a porter or or the things that they tend to try and infuse them with. Yeah. So it just it doesn't super play well to where, you know, pumpkin beer is not as as well seen as, as maybe like, you know, some loggers with lime or some other adjuncts that get real popular. Right. Yeah. yeah. And if it's fall, honestly, like this fall, I think I'm going to hit the ciders pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. Should I keep those rolling for our future episodes? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You should. Yeah. I know I'm, you're a fan I'm, of them. I am now. I am now. Yeah. You're I'm welcome. very pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah. So have I stalled enough from predicting Colorado? <laughs> I'm ready when you are. Okay. Well, you can go first. I will. Mine went first last week. Yeah, mine's short and sweet. Okay. Are you ready for this? Sure. My prediction. Do I believe you now? No. Nebraska 30, CU 26. <laughs> we almost hit the nail on the head with our prediction for the score. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. That's okay. great. I think, um, <laughs> to add a little bit of context... I think that I think Nebraska will have to put up a pretty decent chunk of points. I, th- I think that their defense will play well, but they're gonna there's gonna be breakdowns. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Colorado's gonna be explosive enough to to you know rip off a few um, frustrating big plays. Uh, I think Dylan Edwards is gonna have himself another good game, um, especially receiving the ball. He's just got so much speed. Yeah. Um, so they've they've got they've got a great wide receiver core. It, you'd be you'd be silly not to think that they're not going to be able to take advantage of that at times. Yeah, they, yeah, we didn't even say it, but like what, they have four guys with over a hundred yards yeah. receiving. Um, so we just got to match that with our running game. I mean, that's that's really what it has it, to be. Is like, it, it, yeah, it's going to come down to just not giving them enough possessions to do that. Right. So and and you mentioned it a lot. You know, just keep them out in front. Be sure with your tackling. Be smart. Know know where you're supposed to be and be there mm-hmm. uh, defensively. And I think that. 
you know, Colorado's going to run into a, a bit of a stall against this Nebraska defense that's not going to be substituting at the wrong times. They're not going to be making the mental errors that TCU is making. Um, I think that they do have the athletes to make athletic plays like Minnesota made athletic plays. Um, it's just a matter of limiting those and, and keeping them from happening. Yep. Yeah. And Colorado, they they went after that deep shot a lot, even they when sure it, even when it wasn't working. Yeah. Like they just kept going back That's, to it, and so they have they have an identity. Yep. Right. It's like we have fast people, and we're going to get the ball to them one way or another, and we're not going to stop trying. Yeah. And so Nebraska just has to. Again, keep yeah, keep everybody in front. Don't let any, anybody get behind you. And on those, you know, fifty-fifty balls, play smart defense. Don't give up the penalty and and just break it up. Yeah. So cool. All right. All right. Well, here's my prediction. Let's hear it. I pledge allegiance to Matt Rule <laughs> of the United <laughs> States of Nebraska and to the fullback on which it stands, one nation under Trev, indivisible with touchdowns and big back sacks for all. <laughs> I refuse to bow down to the tyranny of Colorado. <laughs> I'd have to be a mile high to ever take Colorado over Nebraska, regardless of uh, how each team played week one. Give me 31-27 Nebraska. Wow, yep. It's a close one, and it's ours. Nice. I love it. We got the pretty much the same damn what score. A, yeah, here. and you just a little nod to the Cold War <laughs> for you. <laughs> Good guys versus bad guys. There we go, just That's like Star it. Wars. Yeah. Oh man, I'm nervous for this game. I'm a lot more nervous than I was. I won't, no, not nervous. I'm, I'm nervous in a in a good way. Like it's an it's it's not nervous. That's not the right word. I'm I'm I'm, an anxious isn't the right word. What is it? Maybe it is anxious. I'm just like I'm I, I'm excited. I'm, I want to I, see it. I'm yeah. I'm ready for I'm ready for more information on both of these teams. Yeah, I'm also ready to move past this game. Does that make sense? Like regardless of what happens here doesn't actually dictate what we're trying to accomplish, which is to be number one in the big 10 West this season, which whether or not that's a realistic goal, whatever, but that's always going to be this team's goal, right? Is to play in the big 10 championship. This game doesn't have an impact on that. This is a fun game for the fans to measure ourselves against. And we want to win it. That's not to say we don't, but like this is, this is the circus before the main event. Yeah, that's a, that's a good reference. Is that a better for, analogy for, for you? <laughs> this is calling this is, Colorado the circus. So it's a yeah, yeah. that's a good. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's still it's important in the sense that like you don't want to go, you don't want to start off zero and two because then you get then we got six and four to get bowl eligible. Uh, yeah, you know, which not ideal. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah I'm I'm too I'm anxious I'm anxious to see what what happens. I do, I am the thing that I am nervous about. Um, that I don't want to experience isn't necessarily the loss. Like I don't want to experience the loss at all. I don't want to. I don't want to experience the fucking the hype around Colorado for the for following. That's gonna happen I don't, regardless. I no. I I think. I mean, you could you could you can if you if Nebraska beats them and like exposes some of their flaws, um, or if or if Colorado does for whatever reason come out looking disorganized, um, hopefully it can like maybe like control a little bit of that. Uh, but I, I just, uh, like, I don't, that week afterwards, like, like if Nebraska loses, Nebraska fans are going to be fucking horrendous towards each other. Yeah. And towards this team, I think. But then we're going to all show out on the 16th when we're home. Finally, we've got a Northern Illinois team that's going to put up a battle. I hope so. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough in the moment. And then like 
it was tough on Thursday and it's gotten a lot easier since then. It was tough yesterday when Colorado was playing well. And like now I'm kind of a little more clarity of like, there are ways to expose it. There are things that TCU did wrong. Colorado's got a good team. You just got to deal with it, but it's not the team I would want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want that to be my team. I don't want us to be great one season and then us not be able to bring in the guys the next season, have no culture and continuation, not want to build anything here and just be a fly by night sort of situation. Right. Like, I saw someone say, like, uh, congratulations to future Colorado coach, whatever their OC's name is, Sean Lewis. You know, oh, it's yeah. like he's probably going to wind up in that spot when the inevitable happens, which is Colorado continues to succeed. Um, and, and Dion goes to another opportunity, yep. you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what college football allows coaches to do. And it's now allowing players to do, but it's like, that's not what we want to build here. And so, yeah, you don't want to lose to Colorado, but like we'll survive. Yeah, we'll be fine. I just, that's, it sounds like a shitty week. I to just me. don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do it. That's all. This, this is just me <laughs> having recorded evidence that I can play back to myself to be like, fucking liar you said you were gonna be fine nice as i'm patching drywall that i just punched a hole in shopping for a new tv no i would never hurt my baby like that (laughs) what do you think drew i think that does it for this week uh we want to thank everyone who tuned into this week's episode if you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen we would truly appreciate your recommendation don't forget to follow us on social media at wannabe walk-ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform remember to do your part drink local beer wherever you are you can find more information on infusion brewing by visiting their tap room or their website at infusionbrewing.com if you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation Thank you again for listening. Join us next week as we recap the Colorado game, sample another Nebraska brewery, and preview Nebraska's home opener against the Northern Illinois Huskies. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. Sports Network Production.